Welcome back into the mental game where this week's guest is Dana Beers from Barstool Sports. It really took a lot for me to understand what was going on and like kind of this, you know, these fears that I had and this anxiety that I had. I never really knew what it was until someone explained it to me in therapy. And Dana opens up in this episode about his career at Barstool, where it actually started with him just being a huge fan of Barstool Sports and landing an internship. He turned that into a full-time job, plus his love for Boston sports, his love for the University of Cincinnati. But as you just heard, something he's never talked about before, and that is his battle with anxiety and panic attacks. We get into all that and much, much more in this episode. But once again, if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, friends, coworkers, whoever you can, as we try to help as many people as possible with their mental health. But now it is time for the next episode here on The Mental Game with Dana Beers. Welcome back into The Mental Game. As you can tell, I have a very special guest here and a fellow Bearcat, Barstool Sports, Dana Beers. Dana, I appreciate you for coming on. Of course, man. And I like how you said fellow Bearcat because it's just it's one big community and I love being a part of it. Exactly. You made your commitment win. When was that? I think, oh, actually, it was right around my birthday in November. So it must have been like mid-November. And I got the tattoo. I don't know if they can see it. Oh, yeah, that is, I'll be able to zoom in on the other camera. But that is it's, ridiculous, but person, I love it. it looks ridic- especially ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was <laughs> quite a wild ride. And But couldn't have made a better decision. I love the people of Cincy. Well, you're repping UC. Love to see it. Um, I, I'm going to say this if you're watching on YouTube. Not to shit on you, but this is kind of a no, little bit better of a piece. Way better. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but shout I think this was the uh, the football team that sent me this. So shout out to them, but yours is way better. I got <laughs> there's no there's no uh, argument. Oh, thanks. That. <laughs> I, I love the UC Pride, man. And we'll get into all that here in a sec. Uh, first question I ask everyone is what does mental health mean to you? And people answer it in a variation, different ways, whether it's something they've been mindful of their entire life, or maybe there was a point in their, in their career or life where they had to take better care of, uh, of mental health. But actually the same thing, what does that mean to you? It's really important. And I, I've, uh, you know, it's something I deal with quite often just with uh, this job. And, you know, a lot of the internet can be a wild place. It yeah. can be, it's, it's the <laughs> wild west. And yep. I think I've grown to have thick skin, but there's, there's days where sometimes it really gets to you and, um, you know, you really have to focus on your mental health. So it's very important to me. Uh, I take it seriously. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I really respect what you're doing with this podcast. Um, but it's a big deal, especially in media, especially uh, with my job. It's something you got to take seriously mm-hmm. and you got to respect of others as well. So, um, yeah, I've had a journey. I've had some ups and downs, but, you know, mostly ups. And I try to think that way. And I, I like to try and have that positive mindset. But, it's impossible to not, like I said, focus on some of the, the negatives and the bad days as well. Right. So it's really important, man. And, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of what you're doing with this podcast and uh, trying to see the other side of people mm-hmm. that, that, you know, the Internet doesn't see. So right. uh, hopefully I can give you some stories and, and talk a little bit about that as well. But it's, it's really important and, and something I take seriously. Well, thank you for uh, saying that about, you know, my story in the podcast. That's exactly why I do it, because it shows people on the other side where, you know, there's a bunch of Barstool fans that know Dana Beers as the uh, partier <laughs> chugging a zillion beers and all this shit. But like everyone has a story. So I'm yeah. hoping to dive into that. But but speaking of Barstool, 
you know, you were just a, a huge super fan and then you just worked your way into an internship. Is that how everything started? Pretty much. So I was, I'm from Massachusetts. I know the Cincy people, you know, give me a hard time about not rooting for the Bengals. I am a Patriots fan. I'm a Celtics fan, a Bruins fan, a Sox fan. However, the Reds, I mean, I might have to jump on that bandwagon. So you went to Reds opening day this year, I right? did, yeah. We did a video there. But um, so as I, I mean, going back to it, I was from, or I am from Massachusetts. And I'm a huge fan of all those sports teams. Um, and I was a huge fan of Barstool. And I, they had the newspaper and the website. And basically, I just made videos in my free time yeah. of, I think the first video I made was a compilation of Dave Portnoy making excuses. <laughs> and he, because he, uh, I used to watch all the videos, like, yeah. I was just a, a massive Barstool fan. And I just cut together this five, six minute video and he, <laughs> he retweeted it. This was back in the days of Twitter when it was uh, a much fun. nicer place yeah. and fun. And uh, I think I got on their radar then because... You know, as time went on, I think it was a year later, they opened up this internship for Pardon My Take. And I applied and I just, I said, hey, I'm the guy that made that video of Dave a couple months ago. And they were like, oh, we know, we remember you, like you're a fan. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I worked for free for Pardon My Take for three months. And then I eventually worked myself to a contract uh, full time in New York. So, And... Before that, I mean, you were working a normal nine to five that, uh, from my understanding, you weren't a big <laughs> fan of. I just, it, it was sales, and I have so much respect for people that do sales, and it's just, I'm not cut out for it. I never, yeah. I, so it was all cold calling. And for me, yeah. I pick up no the phone. Thanks. I always feel like I'm bothering somebody. I'm always the yeah. one to say, oh, sorry, I don't want to bother you. That You can't do that in cold calling. Yeah. So I was so bad at it. I think I, I was getting paid, but I, I never made the company any money, so I was like, <laughs> "This might not be out for me." And so, uh, you know, I actually had to quit that job to, to work for free for part of my take because it was kind of like I was working a lot of hours uh, doing the video editing, right? And I wasn't making any money for about four months, and I was still paying rent. And I was like, "Okay, I gotta make a decision here." And I basically put the pressure on Barstool, and I was like, "I can't do this anymore. I either need a contract or I'm out." And then they uh, offered it to me six years ago. On June first, so crazy. It's been six years in New York. I never thought I would leave <laughs> Massachusetts, but here I am. <laughs> I, I love that story because it shows going for that passion, going for that dream, and, and it's just so cool that you that you chase that and you achieved it. But like, you know, it takes a lot of balls to to go out there and quit that day job and, and work for free and just put your passion and your dream on the line. I mean. What was that? What was that decision like for you? It was a lot of pressure because I, like I said, I never, for a million years, thought I would leave Massachusetts. I, I'm a homebody. I am very proud to be from there. I'm very proud of uh, of being a masshole. So I never <laughs> thought I would be out of there. So it was scary. I had never even been to New York City. So it was, the first time I went wow. was for a, like a two minute interview. Basically, I think they want to see if I was a psychopath or not, or if I was like a murderer, <laughs> they just wanted to see if I was normal. And then the contract came later. And my second time going to New York city was to move there. Um, so it was really scary. And it was, it was a, uh, it was a hurdle I had to get over. And I really don't know anybody in New York city really other than my coworkers. So it was, um, it was a, it was a grind, and, but I'm really, really happy. I did it. I've grown so much ever since, you know, that old version of me, I've, right. I've really become a, a totally different person. 
and I'm proud of myself. So it's it's been quite a ride, but um, I couldn't I couldn't ask for anything more to be honest. Right, and life's all about you know growing, changing. Hopefully that in a positive way. But there had to be like I don't know if doubt's the right word or anxiety, but you had to have some type of fear leaving that job. Even though Barstool is this yeah. big company that, yeah. that you're dreaming of working for, and you're a big fan of their work, but like there had to be some type of anxiety built yeah. up into that right at that time that i think there was 30 employees so it wasn't this big empire that it is now now we're like a billion dollar company before there was definitely some doubt it was like is this going to be a long-lasting thing is this going to be like you know my future or is it just going to be you know for a year or two and then see what happens so it was scary and i mean i can't thank the people at Barcelona enough for offering me the role but mm -hmm. it's it i'd never wanted to leave my family i would say 98 percent of my family and friends are in massachusetts so that yeah. part really is hard it still is hard now because yeah. luckily it's a four hour train ride which isn't that bad but i still i you know it it hits me hard that you know i can't be around my family and friends as often as i'd like mm -hmm. to be like that part really kind of takes a toll where it's like you know before I could drive 20 minutes to see my mom, you know, just have dinner. Yeah. Now it's not that easy. Uh, all my friends, you know, it sucks kind of seeing them grow up to be getting married and having kids and stuff. And I'm like kind of away from that. I'm in right. New York City. I can't see them as much. That part, uh, that that hurts. And that's something I've had to deal with. But, I'm, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you take the good with the bad. You mentioned Massachusetts a ton and you're proud of where you grew up and who you are and the people there and your family there. Um, let's, let's go back in time a little bit. You growing up, uh, were you always a big sports fan because of the Boston and Massachusetts teams? Oh yeah. I mean, the first, the first game I remember watching was in third grade was, I think it was the Patriots Rams Super Bowl when they won. So I'm lucky enough where <laughs> my whole life has been the Patriots to that point they were dominant or up or after that point they were dominant and then the Celtics I would say those are my two favorite teams uh Sox you know I'm more of a fair weather fair fan with the uh, the Sox and the Bruins because yeah. I'll watch them in the playoffs and regular season not so much but yeah, yeah, it's been a huge part of who I am. I mean, I we do this trivia show uh, at Barstool, and uh, they'll ask these questions from the 2000s, and for some reason, my brain will just unlock it, and I have this <laughs> like crazy 2000 sports brain where I know basically everything. Uh, but uh, it, you know, yeah, be it from Massachusetts, it's, it's in your blood. You know, you you love, and right now we're not we're not doing too hot with the Patriots, but we're we're pretty spoiled to have seen what we've seen. Yeah, let I, I just before we get into more of your story as a Cincinnati fan, I haven't seen a championship yeah. in my life. <laughs> Whenever I see like Dave or you tweet about Boston sports and a loss, I'm like, what have you guys seen in your life? Sixteen parades or something like that? Yeah, it's we've had a good run. <laughs> we had a good I and I feel for Cincy because they're so passionate. And that's the one thing I noticed when I became a UC fan. It also was like the whole city of Cincinnati started interacting with me. It wasn't just UC fans. It was like right. Bengals fans and Reds fans. And what I've noticed from them is that they're just so passionate and they just they love their sports and they love their city. And they're similar to Boston in a way where it's like part of their their DNA yep. is like how 
you know, how they think of their sports teams. So I love that. And it, but it does hurt me again to have to say that I, I'm not a Bengals fan because I'll say if the Patriots, they're not going to be better than the Bengals this year, but if they're not in the playoffs, I'll root for the Bengals. All right, we'll take it. You had a, a fun video, and we'll get into that here uh, in a little bit at the Bengals tailgate in a viral clip about, I think of some lady oh, yeah, yeah. yelling Joey yep. B's name, oh, something yeah. like that. Um, but you mentioned growing up in Massachusetts, having this passion for sports. Did you play sports in high school, and how was that like a balance of just um, you know your life in school? Did yeah, actually, so um, I was a new kid freshman year. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was in – third or fourth grade and I basically had to make a decision yeah. um, when I was in eighth grade of living with my dad or living with my mom because my okay. mom was moving uh, with her now husband to a new town both in Massachusetts and my dad was staying on Cape Cod so I was like okay this is as an eighth grader that's a hard thing to do yeah is to choose between your mom and your dad where you're gonna live full-time so I was like I kind of just want a fresh start and I I mean I'm a mama's boy I <laughs> I just am. I'll call my mom, you know, twice a week. We talk. And I, I was like, I, I just want a fresh start. I want to go to this new school. Um, so I actually went with her to this town called Hingham. And I was really struggling to find friends at first. But then once I started playing basketball, I I made a, a ton of friends that to this day are like my best friends. So I'm very thankful that I had a sport because if I didn't, I, w I was like, who the hell am I going to be friends with? I don't right. know what I'm doing. So I ended up playing basketball for four years. And, uh, I mean, I yeah, I was a captain of the team senior year. I like to joke, but not joke. I average a double-double. But, like, to this <laughs> day, I'll say that. And everyone's like, dude. Walking bucket. Why are you talking about that? That was 12 <laughs> years ago. I'm like, yeah, but did you average double-double in high school? No, I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I played basketball, and then I played two years of football. I wasn't very good. I quit halfway through senior year because they weren't throwing me the ball, and I was stubborn. And my excuse was I didn't want to get hurt for basketball. So. Yeah. You and I were talking off camera about how the high school years, and you just mentioned it there, it was hard to find friends when you first got there. Sports helped you connect yep. with some of your best friends. But like I said, you know, we talked off camera about – how you dealt with some anxiety in those high school years. Walk me through uh, those ups and downs and when you discovered kind of the anxiety that you were going through. Yeah, I had never really uh, knew the word anxiety until I was about 14, 15. And then when it was explained to me, I was like, holy shit, that's what I have. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I've always been a generally anxious person I'm always worried I'm always overthinking I'm always just you know I'm never really comfortable in my skin it's yeah. always been a struggle for me and that kind of came to a, a halt not a halt it came to a help me out what's the it word cra you crashed it, cra it crashed down on me when I was about 14 or 15 and I was dabbling smoking some weed and you know I my problem is even kind of to this day, like I overdo things when I'm either drinking or whatever. Right. And when I was smoking, I would just get really fucking high, like very high. And one day before school, I smoked like a Coke can or something. And I just kept smoking. I'm like, I want to get higher. And I went to school and I had I, all of a sudden I started freaking out. Like every the walls were closing in on me. I couldn't breathe like I didn't know what was happening, but I had to sit through the seven-hour school day. Right. I couldn't go home <laughs> yeah. and tell people that I had smoked a bunch of weed before school, and then I had a basketball game after school, so it was like I have to be there. And then I held that in for a couple of days. I was like, what the hell just happened? What was that? 
And then I smoked weed again, and it was in my head that this was going to happen again. And I took like two puffs, and then I start. I had a panic attack. That's when I learned what it was. When I the next day, I told my mom, I was like, I don't know what happened, but I have to tell you something. I smoked some weed, and I just I, I felt like the world was caving in on me. And she explained to me what anxiety was. It runs in our family, and and that panic attacks run in our family. And I I just. I felt like everything was dark and, and everything kind of felt, you know, bleak and I didn't know what to do. So we went and saw a therapist and we went to this inpatient facility, which kind of, you know, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm like, right. I felt so kind of just not like an outcast, but I was embarrassed. I'm like, I'm missing a week of school to go to this place that, that, I, like, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on with me. I couldn't get out of my bed. Mm-hmm. And they put me on uh, Zoloft after some conversations. And basically since then, I've been on and off of medication um, for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it really took a lot for me to understand what was going on and like kind of this you know, these fears that I had and this anxiety that I had, I never really knew what it was until someone explained it to me in therapy or at this impatient place. And since then I've, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, it's gotten a lot better, I would say, um, with time and understanding, but that was the darkest moment of my life was being there and, and not knowing what the future would hold. And it's just scary, man. It's just scary. And that was 15 years ago. So, I've come a long way, but that was kind of the beginning of my understanding of who I am and my dealing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And we have really good days. You have really bad days. But for the most part, I'm I'm really happy. So that was just a, a time in my life that kind of molded me to get where I am now and to understand who I am. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, you know, a lot to unpack and to yeah. tell your story. Um, and you and I, we have a similar story. I was 27, 28, you know, when I checked into a mental health hospital, cause I was suicidal and dealing with a lot of depression, but I can't imagine doing that at 14, 15 years old. Uh, do you like, do you just remember checking in and what those first few hours were like? I just, I, I, can't even remember what the place looked like. I can't even remember kind of what we talked about. I just remember being in such like a dark place where I was just scared. I just yeah. didn't know. I didn't know what any of this was. I didn't, you know, I was like, am I going to have to have these panic attacks every day for the rest of my life? Because that's kind of how I think. I I catastrophize a lot. Yep, I'm <laughs> the same way. I think of things in the worst case possible. Yeah. Uh, and... It, like it's gotten so much better and i would say the worst time that i had was probably that age and then i, I used a lot of things to help me and playing sports and listening to music i always, I always see like people say like the kid cuddy saved my life like you know they make fun of that but like he was the guy i listened to yeah and his music i wouldn't say it saved my life but i would say made me feel so much better during that time just listening to him and like anytime i hear a song from that time period i'm like damn like that really helped me along the way just to listen to that music yeah and then playing basketball helped me a lot um and i'd say now i'm i really i'm definitely just still generally anxious person but i haven't had a panic attack in, in 10 years so it's been it's 
I, I have thick skin now. I've, I think Barstool's taught me to have thick skin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I, I've come a long way. But, yeah, I really I, I haven't talked much about that. Really, definitely not publicly, to, but really to anybody. So I appreciate you letting me tell that story because it, yeah. it does feel kind of like a weight off the shoulders. Like, yeah. No, that's <laughs> been 15 what... years, but, you right. know, it's still, it's like, it's something I think about. Yeah, no, I hope, I hope there's stoolies listening that can relate to that and feel that. And that's why I do this this podcast, whether it's, you know, Ricky Williams or Kate Flannery or Chris Hansen, whoever I talk to, like everyone goes through shit and it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, where you come from. It's just mental health affects everyone. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like, you know, the, the, the quote about music and, and Kid Cudi's, you know, saving lives with his music. Like that literally happened with me, with Marky Basie, who I was able to have on the show, like his music and my mom, like I'm a mama's boy too. Like you could not, I couldn't leave my mom with a child or without a child. So like the, all those nights of thinking about suicide, like I, I couldn't do it because of her and then Mark's music and I got to have him on the show, which was like fucking awesome. And now, I, you know, we're, we're kind of like friends and, yep. and it's just cool how, how you take your journey and turn it different ways. Um, how were you able to, you know, navigate out of that? Because there are a lot of people that I'm sure listening, watching that are stuck in those ruts of whether they're suicidal like I was or dealing with panic attacks like you were and they feel like there's no answer or no path. Was the therapy, the, the medication, was that all part of the answer? Were there things you mentioned music? Like how do you just flip that switch, especially at a young age? There's some people that can't do it at 20, 30, 40 years old. How, how do you just move past that? I would say for me it was – it kind of felt like it was like I was distracting myself with things that I did enjoy. Yeah. That would help me a lot. Um, and the number one thing for me was playing basketball. Like that, it kind of felt like I was, you know, in my own world and not not having a care in the world when I was playing basketball, even just by myself. Yeah. And that was something that I found distracting from my, you know, scary thoughts or anxious thoughts. And I would say for me, even to this day, it's like if I feel like something is bothering me or something is, uh, you know, worrying me sometimes i'll distract myself either just like i'll just play video games for a little bit and yeah. that will take my mind off of the thing that is making me feel panicked or making me feel anxious and right i don't know if that's the cure for everybody but i would say for me it's it's always been trying to find something that i like and that can distract myself from these these thoughts and if i'm able to like go do it and but i know it's not possible to do 24 7 right so for me uh yeah, I, I went on medication and that that helped me a lot. Um, I didn't know much about it at the time, but it, I think it really, I think there was just something wrong with my brain chemistry. Yeah, it was, something was thrown off, and I think I like to think the medicine the medicine helped that or, yeah. or, or fixed that. Well, so. the answer is different for everyone, and whether it's medication or therapy or coping mechanisms that are healthy. Um, I know you're still on and off the Zoloft to help you with those panic attacks and that anxiety. Um, do you go to therapy still, or did you go to therapy yeah. after that? I'm still in therapy now. Uh, and that it's huge. It's really opened up a lot of, uh, it's helped me understand a lot of who I am mm -hmm. and, and kind of being able to realize the root of a lot of my, my issues in my head. Uh, yeah. I've learned through therapy and that's, I still go to this day and I, I mean, it's been, I have the best therapist I could ask for. She's been, you know, so helpful in just helping me understand who 
I am and, and what's the cause of a lot of my problems. So yeah, therapy, I think a, a combination of both of those have helped me to really, you know, I'm a happy person yeah. So to help me get there. Yeah. Therapy is, is a big key and I can't like recommend it enough. It does. Sometimes you got to shop around, find the best therapist for you. But I always say like, keep in mind too, is that feelings like in that moment, they feel like, you know, it's the end, it's the end of the world or that you're really depressed and sad, but like feelings are, are just temporary yep. and, and they come and go and you just got to figure out a way to balance it. So the therapy medication, doing things you love, it really helps. Um, staying on the mental health side of things though, Barstool, you get that job and things grow and you become, you know, Dana Beers and have a bigger following. And I think before, you know, Barstool and they still get it some, but like there was a lot of hate on, on social media. And now, you know, you're dealing with that personally sometimes. Do you, is it hard to not look at some of the negative comments? It's impossible, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, I started off as behind the scenes and I was always, you know, I was not, I didn't have to read comments because no one knew who I was. Right. And eventually I grew to be this personality and obviously it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's an act, but it's a, it's a little bit of a bit. It's a bit. And it's, it's like, you know, I, I put on for the cameras. Yeah. Like that's not who I am 24 seven. I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday. I was like. Did you? Who did you think you were when we <laughs> when we first started talking? Like, who do you think I was? Like, did you think I was this loud, obnoxious person? She's like, no, but I mean, I can see how people would think that. Uh, but the it's tough because you get so many positive comments, you get so many people, you know, praising you and and liking what you're doing. But yeah. if you get one negative thing, that's all you can look at, right. and that's how I operate. And I think that's a lot of a lot of People at Barstool, they have trouble with that as well. Well, they're, you know, they'll they'll do something great. Yeah. And people will love it. But if there's a couple people that have a couple bad things to say, you gravitate towards that. And it's just natural. Mm -hmm. And that can, yeah, that that can get under your skin quick. And for me, I used to be obsessed with uh, you know, my followers and seeing my growth and you know, reading comments and we have like a, a, you know, obviously the website with comments and I would always be scrolling and seeing what yeah. they had to say to me. And I used to be obsessed with it and it was really, really bad for your mental. And it's now I've learned that if you can kind of do your best to look away and just do your yeah. thing and post your stuff and just let it be. But it's, that's impossible. And w when you're a content creator, you want feedback. You want to hear yeah. what people think of what you're putting out. So it's impossible to really read the replies or not read the replies. It's impossible to not read the comments. So I, I've definitely learned to have thick skin in the last couple of years because yeah. there's been up, a lot of ups and a lot of downs where I've done stupid things. I've done great things. Uh, I've made great content and I've made awful content. So it's, I've learned to kind of, I, I can take jokes. Right. I can definitely take jokes, but it's the ones that kind of attack you attacking one, though the attacks kind of, those are the ones that get under your skin. Like if you come out here and you want to call me like fat or whatever, like, I don't care. Like that's like the, the things that I think are funny or when you like make fun of my appearance, like that, that I don't really care about that. But if you say something that I'm like, 
I don't know, somebody the other day said that I'm going to turn yellow because I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, dude, just because my e- my alter ego is is enjoying having beers, I'm going to be I'm an alcoholic now. Yeah. That's like that got under my skin. Gotcha. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's hard. It's a, uh, you know, I, I I would like to think I have thick skin, but there's definitely things that can can annoy you. Yeah, no, I can relate to that too. It's just you try to not look at the comments that are that are better yeah. messages. I mean, working in TV used to get emails. Like I know, like people, most people listening still like they would never send an yeah. email in, but like, whoo man, you get some comments <laughs> like commenting on on the way you talk your shirts your yeah. like your takes on sports like it's crazy but you get the dream job at barstool sports and like your your journey started in you said 2017 there uh yeah early 2017 early 2017 but it's been a dream these past few years for you to work at barstool and one of the biggest things was the college tour <laughs> where you picked cincinnati and that's your lifelong fandom now Walk me through that experience because that was so fun to watch you and Glenny Balls travel the country and, I mean, get drunk and really just relive the college years, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I will start by saying this. I'll never complain about my job. I have the best job in the world. Uh, so You're going to complain about traveling the country and getting drunk? Never. <laughs> I'll never complain about that. Uh, I'm just more talking about the, the comments and stuff. It's like, yeah. if that's the worst thing I got to deal with, right. I, got, I got a good life. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it really just started when I was I was doing the stream uh, for our iCasino, and somebody asked a question in the chat, in the Twitch chat, just being like, who do you root for? And I was like, in college, and I was like, ah, I don't really, nobody. I used to be a massive Boston College super fan when I was like seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. Back when they had a great basketball team, they had Matt Ryan playing quarterback, and then everything just fucking submarine <laughs> and i didn't stick with them i yeah. gave up i mean I, whatever call me a coward it's if a you nice will diehard fan yeah <laughs> uh i stopped paying attention uh to boston college and they've just never been good ever since and basically i was like in the chat people just started saying a bunch of colleges and we had a guy working our social media that night and he came up with a graphic with 16 of the schools wow. that I had mentioned. Yeah. Since he was on it, whoever the Cincy person is that wrote in, shout out to you because yeah. you've changed my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know who it we was. got to find him. I mean, you and I both have a big Cincy following, so we'll figure yeah. it out here after this podcast, I hope. Um, so basically from there, I started making like small videos just saying – uh, you know, like educational videos about each school. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think the one for Cincy, I said like, you know, notable alumni were Kevin Euclid and Lance Stevenson. And like, it was just, I was like, the only thing I remember Cincinnati for is Yancey Gates punching that dude in the face. <laughs> um, and so I would make these videos and then eventually our sales team was like, if you want to start going on like a tour of these, you know, tailgates and do yeah. some interviews with people, we'll sponsor it. Shout out Pink Whitney. And you can bring Glenny balls and you can go to all these college football games. And You're I was like, like, fuck yeah. Fuck, okay. <laughs> you kidding me? And I'm way too old to be going to colleges and doing, you know, going to, to bars. So I was like, I just want to go see the tailgates. I want to just talk to the people. I, it doesn't matter what age I'm talking to. I want to get a feeling of, of all these schools that I'm visiting. Yeah. So we went to tailgates at each of them. Uh, I think it was Cincy, Texas Tech. 
Michigan State and South Carolina, and we threw in LSU too, just for that was just for fun. Oh my God, LSU is <laughs> awesome. I used to for people that are listening that know my story or don't. I used to cover LSU, so like yeah. reporting on. <laughs> we went to LSU Bama, so oh shit, it was yeah. a, it was. I've done awesome. two of those games, and it's as a reporter, and it's just so much fun. Yeah, so we just threw in LSU just because we wanted to go to LSU game. They weren't even on. Did my you list. go to Tigerland afterwards? Yep. Okay, Fred's. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I had a lot of nights at, at bogeys, Fred's. I mean, I was too old at the time too, but go ahead. My bad. <laughs> um, and then by far the most fun I had was Cincinnati. And I try to explain it to people. It's, it was homecoming and I, they didn't even win by the, they should have crushed whoever they were playing. Yeah. South Florida, I think. but they only won by like a, a field goal or something. And, but the experience I had, I don't know how to explain it or put it into words. I had the most fun day of my life. I tell people that, to this day, the most fun I've ever had in a single day. We went to uh, – we did interviews with you yeah. and Tony, and we played like beer pong right there, and it was just – We had like 5,000 people at that at that Bearcat Bash on Short it was, Vine. It was awesome. We went to a couple tailgates, and then we went to the game, and they just let us down on the field and let us shoot the cannons, and it was just – the most fun day I've had in my entire life. And I was like, how do I deny that? How do I, how do I not think about that when I'm making this decision? And I'm not like, I don't, I'm not cocky enough to think that people actually really gave a shit where I chose, but right. <laughs> it was, it's like, it was content. Yeah. I put this content out and people really fucking cared. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, it was cause you know, when you, when people are so passionate about their school, like they're going to invest in, in somebody that has a following and yeah. that might be a fan of them soon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, since he was, it was so much fun and it was, it was an easy choice. I know the Texas tech people are going to be mad at me, but it's, it's like I said, it's been a great choice just because every time I go there, I feel like they're just so passionate and they care so much and, mm -hmm. It feels like a, like a second home in a way. So, All right, well, on a Cincinnati fan, as yes, a Cincinnati sir. fan myself, like that's you know good to hear because I feel the passion every day because yeah. I was a sports supporter in Cincinnati and I've grown up there, love the teams, UC, Reds, Bengals, but like it's a it's a team that is or a town that is passionate about yeah. their teams, and so I think you obviously got that picture. Um, you and Glenny Balls in the fucking uh, sorry for dropping so many f words, but like. In the skyline onesies, like oh, when you yeah, guys showed yeah. up to the stage with me. I think me, that changed the whole game. Oh my god, I saw. Yeah, you guys showed up to the stage with me in that, and I'm like, these fuckers. I gotta get one. Of yeah, these. shout out to our merch team because if I if we weren't wearing that, I don't know if we would have gotten a whole lot of attention or hoopla. So uh, a shout out skyline as well. Uh, but yeah, it was somebody. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were basically talking about how the city of Cincinnati is just like they're just not begging, but they they crave attention because they're not getting the attention that they deserve. And I agree with that. It's mm -hmm. like, it's such a great city that no one really talks about. And it, it needs more people to know how fun it is and how passionate they are. And when they have someone, I mean, I, again, I'm not delusional. I don't think I'm a Dave Portnoy, but when they have somebody that has a following and, you know, especially at Barstool, it's a, you know, a lot of people know it that embrace that and that do talk about the city like they're gonna get excited and they're gonna get fired up so that's mm -hmm. why whenever i go there it's like people you know ask for pictures and stuff and i'm like i'm a nobody but yeah they'll treat me <laughs> like i'm a king i didn't agree with you being a nobody but like i get the point you're trying but to they make. treat me like i'm a king and i'm like all right yeah i, I see you guys just you got you love 
being embraced. And yeah. That's how it should be because I've learned so much about Cincy, and I had no idea about Cincinnati before the year ago. You probably thought, well, um, not the biggest city. Bengals have uh, never really won. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty, and Skyline Chili people talk yep. shit about. It's pretty yep. much all you had, right? Yep. That's all I knew. And <laughs> I was so wrong. So that's why I, I challenge people to give it a try and, and you just take a visit and go to a Bengals game, go to an FC Cincinnati game, go to a Reds game, and you'll see. It's a great city. It's an awesome city. Well, and I just had uh, Coach Taylor from the Bengals on a couple of weeks ago, and yep. he talked about just the, the city embracing you and feeling like you're a part of it. And it's a really powerful thing when that community accepts you, and you've had that. And one of the biggest keys to acceptance is uh, liking Skyline Chili. So um, I think I think Dave and, and, and some of the other guys have tried it before and not a fan. A lot of people that aren't from Cincinnati oh, – yeah aren't a fan, um, but you seem like you like Skyline. I genuinely love it. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, am a big fan of Skyline Chili. Now, I haven't tried enough yet. I've only tried the three-way, so I need you to start. You haven't done yet? I was, I'm going to say next time I visit Cincinnati, I, I have to broaden my horizons, and I have to try new things. But people ask me, they're like, do you actually like it? I'm like, I don't know if it if it's I don't know. I just don't I like food that's greasy. I like food that's cheesy. Yeah. Oh cheese is insane. I love it. I love Skyline Chili. And I <laughs> I did like a chili tour. I went on four different places last yeah. time I was I still have a lot of places to go, but I liked all of them. So it's my type of food and it's my type of uh establishment <laughs> well that's a that's a uh, good endorsement then for sky and then whenever you're back in town text me and i'll be i'll yes, be the, uh, i'll be the personal skyline uh i don't know tour guy's not the right word but taste tester i'll help <laughs> you out there it. let's do it because uh, we'll have some fun um yeah I, I i just really respect you know you for opening up on, on this show and talking about your mental health story barstool the cincinnati fandom i mean are there other things you want to hit on that i didn't ask about because i just think your story's Super unique, and I give you a shout out for like quitting that job, working for free as an intern, and like you know we have that we both have that that passion, that grind inside of us where you like you just go for something and it pays off. Um, but I just really respect like everything you've done throughout your career because it's super you. cool. Yeah. No, I mean it, I really don't have much more to add. It's just I, I would say to people that uh, do see someone like myself or really anybody that does have like a on camera role or you know sometimes it's not you're not the person that you are showing a lot of the time yeah. especially at barstool it's a lot of uh you know you're kind of playing a, a character in a way so yeah i would say you know you don't have to be nice to me but if some of the comments just start to think that there's a person behind that profile right well you, you, you mentioned the 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 character line how did the I should have asked this way sooner? How, how did you get Dana Beers? As yeah, so unfortunately, I, my real name isn't Dana Beers. That's it's a great <laughs> name, but yeah, uh, is Glen, Glenny Balls his name really isn't Glenny Balls? Nope, nope. No, okay, good, good. Just wanted to go over that for everyone. <laughs> so back in right before COVID in 2020, uh, I had been basically all right. I don't know. It's, it's a long ass story, but I'll try and keep it short. There's a softball team in my town called Zillion Beers, and I, as soon as I heard that, I just laughed out loud and yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's funny. So I talked to those dudes and, you know, they, they're great dudes. And basically I put it on a t-shirt and Dave challenged me to sell a bunch of merch that said zillion beers. And from there, 
we sold $1.5 million in like two weeks of Zillion Holy Beers merch. Shit. And it was like a, it was just a fever dream the whole two weeks. Um, and he kept upping it and upping it, and I kept challenging him. And from there, I got the moniker Dana Beers. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who said it, yeah, but someone said it, and it stuck. And um, it's been tough to kind of navigate from there because it's like I'll tweet about the Celtics, and someone will be like, "Shut up, dude! Just drink a beer." <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, you I had a life a, before. Yeah, you beer. drank a beer at the Celtics game, like, yeah. or, or watching the game. Um, so it it's t- taken a life on its own. But I'm 30 now, so it's like, all right, I'm trying to figure out something else that isn't just you know drinking because I, I enjoy drinking, but I don't, I, I can't do it like I used to. Yeah, and you know, it, I think the college tour was something different than. Uh, you know, everyone's just thinking I'm a guy that just sits there and drinks beers. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to find what's next, but um, that's that's the short story of it, and it's been a wild ride. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it certainly has. Uh, last thing I'll ask you about the wild ride is advice to uh, people that want to, you know, kind of follow your footsteps and go after that passion of working in media, working at Barstool. Um, what would you tell them? I would say for me, I learned everything I know on YouTube. I, I went to college and I didn't I got a degree in mediated communications, which I guess is where I'm at, but I didn't take a class for video editing. I took a class for video production and it was kinda like, you know, it was great, but it didn't get me to where I am now. I yeah. just went on YouTube after I graduated and I typed in how do you edit on Adobe Premiere? And then the next four or five years later, I'm editing a million dollar documentary for Deion Sanders. And it's like I didn't start I, I didn't start with this long history of knowing how to do something. I just went on YouTube and, and searched. So for me, it was like, you know, you can kind of build something out of nothing in a way. Yeah. And you, there's so many tools today online on the internet that can teach you, uh, you know, you look at look at the setup we have right now. There's three cameras and two mics, me and you, and there's no producer. Like you're doing it all on your own. It's yeah. like you you learn along the way. Right. So I would say if you're not getting it at first, it's okay. Like stay patient. And if you are trying to be on camera, uh, try different things because you gotta know how to do everything. You got. I would say learn how to do behind the scenes and on camera because the best people, the most successful people, will be able to pr- produce for themselves. Right. And you're doing that right here. So it's like as long as you can learn multiple skill sets. You should be okay. Appreciate it, man. This has been a great conversation. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I'll, um, uh, I'm sure I'll see you in Cincinnati soon. Yep. I'm not drinking anymore, but I'll be sure to buy you a beer. Hey. I'll have like a lemonade or a Powerade with you. And I, it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll see everybody back here next week on The Mental Game. And what a great conversation that was with Dana. I can't thank him enough for really opening up for the first time about his anxiety and panic attacks. It takes a lot of courage to do that. I know that'll help a lot of our listeners and also Barstool fans who they call stoolies that are listening to this episode. Next week, it is another surprise guest here on The Mental Game, but I will give you one hint. It is a former NFL star who is now on TV every day. That is your hint. We'll see you right back here next week on The Mental Game.